I don't see Madrid losing in the Spanish Super Cup now. And, and to be quite honest, given what we're going to talk about, I don't. I certainly don't want them to lose it. You know, I, I think they'll be merited victors. Madrid had a team plan and team structure which was admirable and functioned. But Isco keeps dominating matches, big matches. And I'll link back to what I just said to you. Um, when Isco was available from Malaga, when it was a fire sale, it was clear that Madrid looked to um, this Spanification. Florentino Perez has long wanted a little bit more Spanish character. And the idea of buying Isco was was being floated. Um, Carlo Ancelotti had a very minor voice in it all. But it began to be driven by Zidane. And Isco is at Real Madrid because Zidane, who was then in charge of the, the football direction, the football guidance and at a technical level, Florentino Perez said um, publicly that he, within the club, that he didn't see how Isco could get in the team, couldn't get in the 11. Therefore, let's not buy him. And Zidane stepped in and said, I'm here for a reason, president. And the reason is I see things better than you, differently from you, sign Isco. And now what you've got is this this player, that, again, there's, maybe there's nothing about the skill level that he shows that we learned last night. People, anybody who's used to tuning into or reading what we produce, Neil, uh, will have understood that Isco has got this beautiful centre of balance, this terrific technical touch and an ability to, so in the eyes a game, find space to twirl, to open up um, room for others and himself. Um, but when I say find space, that innate ability that somebody's got to to be in the right place, what he what he didn't come to the club with, and he admits himself that he's always he, his expression is I've always run funny. He, he kind of it's not as if he waddled, but it's backside stuck out a little bit kind of inelegant. Um, if you saw him trotting around, you wouldn't think there's a you know. Uh, seven, what's his buyout clause now? 700 million euros? You wouldn't say there's a 700 million euro athlete. But under Ancelotti, in order to, to win his place in that deeply competitive side that Ancelotti built, he learned that he, he understood that he had to track and work and tackle. And now he's this radical element in the in, well, last night and increasingly when in the months when Bale hasn't been fit and increasingly when Zidane unlike um, Ancelotti, hasn't had to shoehorn the players into a 4-3-3 formation. That 4-3-3 formation that Roma did was devised. We did a podcast with Paul Clement of it. It was devised specifically to find a role for Bale, which was front right next to Benzema and Cristiano Ronaldo, the formation of the famous BBC, Bale, Benzema, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Di Maria in midfield. And, and that, Madrid were not used to playing 4-3-3. They did so. And... For Isco to find a place in the midfield, he realised he had to you know, hack and trace and work and shuttle run and tackle. And he developed that. And now in the 4-4-2 formation, because it's been regular over recent months, either um, Cristiano Ronaldo's been rested or Bale's been um, injured. And they've been allowed to have Isco as this roaming guy, not an out and out 10, but the guy in midfield who, if, an, if a high press doesn't uh, function well... He's the guy who'll be allowed to randomly pick off players where he thinks that there's a, a chance of recuperating the ball. And he'll be the first press. And usually that'll stimulate a miscontrol or a bad pass. Cruz, Modric, Casemiro pick up. But by the time they pick up, Isco has instantly moved himself into gaps whereby they find him with the ball. And, and it kind of the game pivots. It isn't just, 
oh, we've won it back now from Madrid's case, we'll begin to build. That, that, that sort of it moves on a hinge, the game, in that when Isco presses in, in this anarchic run by, you know, like a little dog chasing a tennis ball, and, and the ball's won back quickly by the players who are in behind him, Isco's available instantly to be fed the ball, and Madrid are playing from three quarters of the way up the pitch again. It's gorgeous to watch, as is his timing of passes. The, the, again, the, he's this, uh, again, if I use the word hinge, when, when they break from deep, it's Isco they find with the ball, and Isco who's the sort of the conductor with a baton in his hand saying, this is the speed we move at. So the fact that Ronaldo came on, and we, we need to give respect to that, because it, it might not, I'm not trying to make this open university. Zidane had a plan whereby he would high press, outrun Barcelona, trying to asphyxiate them. There's a long pattern in both stadiums, the Bernabeu and the Camp Nou of the home side in recent years, being more nervous, finding it the responsibility of making the play harder and, and quite regularly in that the two of them now lose at home. So Zidane's idea was work the legs off them, see where we're at. If we get a goal, if we dominate, great. But if not, Ronaldo and Asensio come on and we'll outrun them, we'll break, they'll, they'll be caught. And, and that all played brilliantly. And before we get into... For me, what was in just a completely unacceptable Barcelona football um, club performance, when the break comes, if you look at the ball to Ronaldo, Piquet keeps pace with him. Piquet's done his job, but nobody's backed up behind Piquet uh, running back. They're all trotting back instead of racing back. When Cristiano Ronaldo cuts inside and scores, it's a beautiful goal. It's a brilliant goal. There's, there's just... No other words to describe it. I mean, perfectly planned, perfectly executed from days ago. Now that, that earns respect in sport. And the theatrical side, whenever any of us have tried to encapsulate the thing about Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, and, and previously, I think that it was like, you know, people took, you know, chose camps, white hat, black, Messi's a bad guy, Ronaldo's a good guy, Ronaldo's a good guy, Messi's the bad guy. Now I think that they're so neck and neck, so much at each other's throats in sporting terms that anybody who doesn't appreciate both of them in the same breath is, is an idiot. I, 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 you, you look at Ronaldo and you, you can't... You, I always say this, like the Pinkertons and Butch Cassidy and Sunday, I say, you can't shake that, shake that guy off. He might get older, he might have more injuries, he might have, do less running than in his great days, he might strike the ball from range and free kicks less well than he did at Manchester United. He may become... Not last night, of course, but he may become more of a, a centre-forward compared to this free-ranging footballer. And, and Messi still retains that ability to run through six or seven players and set up or score. But Ronaldo will not be beaten. And he took it really personally. At the end of the last league Classico in the Bernabeu in April, in one of the most... Inc- I mean, the Classicos do get their hands around your throat and, and choke your lexicon out of you because... They've been so good for the last 10 or 15 years that you begin to wonder what else can you say. <laughs> and then 4-3 in the last seconds with Sergio Roberto running three quarters of the length of the pitch. Gomez and Alba setting up Messi. Messi winning. And he runs to the stand and, OK, he, he reckons it was to the few Barcelona supporters there. But to all intents and purposes, Messi's holding up his strip with his name on it to the Bernabeu. And, and Ronaldo's taken that so badly that when he scores his beauty last night... That's what he does. Still with plenty of time left, there is a risk about the first yellow card. Messi's done it on the final whistle, so it's more calculating. And Cristiano Ronaldo commits, in percentage terms, a bit of a 
a bit of a risk there with that celebration. But how can you not be drawn to the operatic nature of, there you go, wee man, stick that right up here, which is what Ronaldo's doing with that gesture. You, I mean, you, you love the theatre of sport. You, you must have adored that second where, you know, he scores a, one of the goals of his career. I, I still would con- contend that that will be in Ronaldo's top 10 of goals in his career. And he, he goes absolutely crazy, strips off. And initially you think he's just showing up his physique where if there's even 1% of fat, I don't know where it is, maybe between his ears because there's long enough for him to be sent off. But that holding up his name to the stadium is it's just, he's got this thorn in his side and it's called Messi. So the fact that he then gets sent off completely unjustly, yes, to me, that will be, it is already, the worldwide focus. He's been banned for five matches, one for the red card, four for subsequently pushing the referee yeah. because he felt so you know, hard done by it. I don't have any sympathy with him for the push, but it wasn't a, a red card. It wasn't a dive. He shouldn't have been sent off. He did win a penalty, and therefore that might eclipse the, the brilliance of Varane and Cruz and Kaler and Zidane's plan and Wiesko. Yeah, nicely put. Ronaldo, you know, the shirt comes off and he's not wearing Under Armour as Messi was in the last Classico. <laughs> yeah, that's something that's that's the difference between the two of them as well. I can't remember, in all seriousness, does Messi draw a yellow for that celebration? Yeah, he, he's booked, yeah, he's booked he's for booked taking his, his, okay. his shirt off. Yeah, for okay. sure. But, but it's literally... So it's not a public indecency door. thing. It's more to do with the removal <laughs> of the shirt. <laughs> I want to disassociate myself with that description because Cristiano's wasn't either. I mean, it was. No, that's. You could, you could actually see the corpuscle. You could, you could see the white blood cells flowing. It, it was just. He's, I have to say, he's an incredible sp- specimen, and I'm not getting Homeric in, in this. But to me, more than the blooming incredible physical shape he's in after uh, coming back to training last Monday. Mm. Um, do you remember that? You remember the days when footballers used to come back. Looking a bit podgy. Nolito scored the winner for Sevilla at the weekend, and yeah. I was speaking to my colleague down there, the local Sevilla correspondent, um, when he came up to Barcelona for a chit chat. And he said, "Oh, Nolito's had a you know a couple of extra lunches over the summer. He's got a pound or two to lose." And you're like, "That's the way it should be." Remember what it used to be? Do you remember when footballers that we were growing up with used to come back roly poly after summer? Ronaldo's come back fitter. Some cleaner. of them are roly poly in the middle of the season, Graham. <laughs> back in them days. Back in them so, days, uh, you know. I, I again, I can test your thing about Under Armour. There, there was there was pure body armour going on there with Cristiano, there but yeah, that need to stick it up, Messi, and go, I can do that too in your house. Yeah, oh, these two have made Whoa. each other. These two have made each other without a shadow of a doubt. So, I really hope you enjoyed that taster of the latest big inside view. If you'd like to listen to the full episode, just sign up to become a big interview socio at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. For £2.99, you'll get a weekly episode of The Big Inside View, an exclusive big interview. This month, it's my conversation with Rafa van der Vaart and advert-free versions of everything else we produce, plus chance for dialogue. You can send me questions, I'll answer them, There'll be special podcasts around big, big games or big, big issues. Plenty of content, just 2 99 Sign up at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. I'm waiting for you there. You will enjoy it. I promise. <laughs>